0: Uh, it takes a village to protect your data set, especially in a global environment, and uh, and you're really out to take care of the employees' data. So so you do have to kind of circle the wagons and uh, and protect each other in that regard. And that's the CIO. The CIO has had to be a, a team champion, a cheerleader, a facilitator, you know, an, an administrator, um, an ideator, an innovator, a strategist, and at the same time be able to deliver tactical uh, change. Uh, to an organization to really uh, be effective today.
1: Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tunn. InterVision's strategic IT advisor. In today's episode, we're bringing back a guest we had on the show in the early days. I think it was about episode 14 or 15 or something like that. At the time, Jamie Lee was the CIO for Wabash National, a tractor-trailer manufacturer. Today, Jamie is 18 months into his role as CIO with EcoBat, a world-leading recycler of batteries, This gives us a unique opportunity to chat with Jamie about his transition and relocation, as well as his views on the CIO role in the changing landscape. Welcome back to Status Go, Jamie.
0: Good to be with you, Jeff.
1: Man, it is always so good to talk to you, and uh, it's great to catch up. I know it's been a while since you and I chatted, and uh, looking forward to, to catching up. Why don't we start with a little bit about your Career journey to refresh our listeners' minds a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit of of your career and how you got to where you are today.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, well, honestly, I've been uh, doing IT and and kind of business transformation through IT for uh, going on let's see twenty five, maybe thirty years now. Uh, went to college, went to a University of Purdue University, graduated in nineteen ninety four. I really, just had a love for technology and how computers could help people, and uh, eventually turned it into a love for helping business businesses succeed. Um, and you know, got educated in it and went into consulting at Ernst & Young. Uh, spent a lot of time after Ernst & Young in various companies, mostly manufacturing, supply chain type of companies, and and helping them uh, catch up the technology wave really and kind of leverage. Uh, digital to be more efficient uh, and to drive kind of insights across the businesses. It uh, ended up taking me uh, overseas. I lived overseas for a while um, and implementing SAP uh, through several different countries. And I kind of still do that today. And I'm t- uh, targeted to do that with EcoBat now.
1: Oh, excellent. It kind of, kind of brings it back full circle. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, talk to us a little bit about your relocation to Dallas. You you went to university uh, right up the road from Indianapolis, where you and I met mm-hmm. uh, here here in Indy, uh, and now you're now you're out in Dallas. Talk about how that relocation went for you personally, and then uh, how it went for you professionally.
0: No, sure, and you know, round about March of
1: 2020,
0: I think the. uh, the pandemic was pretty strong and moving on. And I, I, um, I left Wabash, uh, during that time frame, and was kind of scratching my head, looking, uh, at the next opportunity and kind of taking a pause and saying, you know, let's, let's think about things. Where's the next, uh, opportunity. How can I be of service to another company? And for about six, eight months, I, uh, looked at, uh, doing consulting and, yeah. um, you know, thinking about okay, if I'm going to go lead again, where is that going to be? And uh, I got contacted by uh, Spencer Stewart and uh, in a, for a private equity based company in Dallas. And I thought, hmm, Dallas, Texas, okay. You know, I could deal with a little warmer weather, but yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also looked at a uh, the opportunity as to what's in the marketplace. And if you were studying, you know, back then the 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 demographics of people movement and and, uh, certainly what was happening in the pandemic. There's a lot of people coming to the Dallas, Fort Worth area, uh, certainly chock full of different uh, headquarters and different types of businesses where, you know, kind of it and and technologists could apply their their craft, their skill, their profession. And so uh, the big, the big question for me at the time was, will I move, you know, Mm -hmm. the roles here Indiana has been home for a long, long time. Uh, And I just kind of looked back and said, you know, Turned fifty this year, Uh, you know we're not getting any younger. Uh, If I if I were to look back in fifteen years, would I be upset? You know that I didn't make a bold move. And I said yes, I would be upset. And just so happened that uh, you know my kids were in high school, middle school, and elementary school, and uh, they were all in agreement to make the move. They were excited about it, and I call it my big cowboy adventure. Uh, So (laughs) we're trying to we're trying to have fun with it, but it has been fun. You know we're not. Not just trying, we are having fun with it. There's lots to do, uh certainly a lot of a little bit of emotions, a lot of physical mood, a lot of late, you know, a lot of a lot of hard work in it, but but well worth the
1: journey thus far. Well, I was gonna ask how the impact was on your family. It it seems like they were they were up for the adventure.
0: You know, they were, and I, I knew I knew I could lock it in when my my, my high school uh daughter uh, had one already in college at Purdue, but my high school daughter said I'm ready and she's in the middle of high school and I thought wow. well she's ready of any of them with all the friends and groups and everything that would work uh but I've been very very pleased she's d- doing tremendously well down here there's great schools and so forth and so it's all been god's blessing um but uh, we are smiling and having fun and and enjoying the weather to boot
1: that's that's outstanding uh, it, and today here in Indiana, it's, uh, you know, 40 degrees, the wind's blowing about 30 miles an hour. And I have not seen the sun in a couple of days. So,
0: <laughs> well, well, you'll have to come down enjoy a steak and, and wear your cowboy boots. Hey, I might have
1: to do that, man. You, you might get me down there. Um, <laughs> uh, when, when we talked way back in episode 14, 15, uh, it would have been, You know, probably, gosh, at that point, maybe 2019, 2018, when we were first starting the podcast, Jamie, when we we talked, and you talked a lot at that time, uh, not only with us on Status Go, but in some of the other places where you were being interviewed about your customer's customer, your view of how you as CIO need to reach through to the end customer. 18 months in, at EcoBat, have you been able to do that, or are you focused on the task at hand in getting your arms around what there is inside EcoBat?
0: No, I I, I still think that's a great problem to study for any business, and this is why. And and yes, I have gotten my hands around it at EcoBat. Um, if there's one thing that, that uh, products and services pass on to any customer, whether they're the first, second, or third step in the, you know, the consumption of that service or product, it's cost and price. And um, at, at EcoBat, where we are recycling batteries to put the materials back out into the marketplace, we have to do that in an efficient manner, uh, in, a, in a manner that is uh, sustainable. Sustainable. Okay. And then also uh, a benefit to society. And so Jeff, you're a customer of mine. You're not a direct customer. You don't make the batteries, uh, but eventually you'll, you'll consume that energy in either your car or your data center or your hospital. Uh, you'll get to experience what we do. And if we don't do it well, um, well, essentially, batteries go into landfills. And then eventually, yeah. Jeff, you as a customer experience that in your air quality and your water quality. Yeah. And so we've got a, a, a couple different initiatives coming out where we really want to focus on the impact we're making in society. Uh, and we, we are a sustainability company. Uh, we do care about the environment, uh, but but we also care about reuse. And, and uh, so my customer's customer is as you you yeah, you leverage yeah. the batteries that are made by the battery manufacturers and we feed them the stocks to go into that on a on a circular economy sort of basis are you
1: are you starting to see you mentioned uh, environmental you you mentioned the the social impact so esg the whole the whole concept of uh, environmental social and governance sustainability and governance rather um are you seeing an uptick in that in your uh, industry that people are paying attention to that more uh, and are coming to you looking for maybe some help coming to you being EcoBat.
0: No, I undoubtedly you know us guys in IT like to think about clicks and likes and <laughs> impressions and <laughs> social media and so forth. I can tell you from what we've seen demonstrated in the numbers that we are getting followership and and brand recognition for a lot of that messaging. So. You know that would tell somebody in marketing that there is a an interest in that, whether it's mm-hmm. the con- customers, customer or or the battery manufacturers themselves, or the the end consumers of stored energy, which is what you know kind of we produce. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think that there's an interest in that i I believe in I believe in our heart of hearts as people, we're interested in the mission, the mission of what our company does. But sadly, I think over the last you know. Uh, I'll call it the industrial age. It was difficult for us to attach our uh, effort, or the value that we would add in any company. I think it was difficult for us to associate it to the end goal of the mission, because a lot of times it was just about cost management, you know, efficiencies Mm -hmm. and and driving, driving cost out of the equation, rather than saying, are we fulfilling our mission? Does anybody remember what the mission statement was? (laughs) Right. (laughs) right. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a really good book out called Mission Drift, and it describes places like you know Harvard University. And it started a couple hundred years ago and it drifted from its mission. Uh-huh. Uh, and so many companies go through that. Our mission at EcoBet is understood. It is, I believe, growing in respect and, and it's certainly um, beneficial for society. So we're going to continue to play to that uh, and deliver to it.
1: And, and as I was reading today in preparation for our conversation, Jamie, Ecobat has its roots uh, uh, about a hundred years old or more. Is that right?
0: Yeah, we actually have one plant in Germany that has been. Um, what we do in in some of our plants this is called secondary smelting, mm-hmm. uh, that has actually been in operation for several centuries. Wow, uh, and you know, you can kind of go back, you know, to the Knights Templar days where they were <laughs> you know, <laughs> making, making swords and shields and things out of different metals and so forth. And all of that is still with us today. We just don't produce swords. Uh, yeah. we produce batteries and they go into our cars and, and they propel us down the road.
1: That, that's pretty cool. That, that, that rich history, uh, and then bringing it forward into the, the 21st century and, uh, continue continuous reinvention I think that speaks well for the organization yep yeah. I want to shift now to your journey the last 18 months mm-hmm. you you walk in there at ecobat um, tra- transition and and move your family relocate down to, to Dallas what have you been focused on from a technology perspective from your team perspective?
0: Well, it's it's definitely been getting to the cloud and post haste. When you when you look at an organization that is behind more than one decade, maybe even two, in technology investment, um, you know it's a really it's a real uh, thing to overcome uh, the amount of time that's gone on that technology has evolved and the company hasn't make, made use of it. Uh, or used you know or invested in it to its advantage. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you take call it 20 or 30 years and turn a company around technologically in, in three? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the main staple in that equation or the main variable in that equation is to go to the cloud and you have to stop playing the game of we can do it better internally and you have to start playing the game of we need to buy it versus build it. Mm-hmm. And we need to catch up because data tells a story, and data delivers insights. Insights deliver opportunities. And in today's fast-paced world, if your business is not moving as fast as the world around you, um, well, you're you're probably at risk of being commoditized, or uh, you know, an existential threat's going to remove you from the marketplace. Yeah. So yeah. you you have to have data. You have to have it at your fingertips. And it cannot be as slow as you know the systems from three decades ago.
1: This this race to the the cloud. As you were going into this role, you've been you'd been through the interview process. Did you have a pretty good idea in your mind that that is where you were going to need to take your organization, or was this something you saw once you got your your boots on the ground, so to speak?
0: No, I I had uh, completed enough homework on where the where the company was at to know that you know I didn't want to come in and kind of hem haul on a decision as to whether cloud was going to be, you know, our first portion of our strategy, mm-hmm. uh, and I made it very clear when we came in that, yeah, you know, I'm not going to apologize for where we're at. This is a must. We need to f- figure out how to get there and how to operate it once we are, and yep. uh, and so that it was it was a foregone conclusion that that was a competitive advantage that we would have to instill and take, take on, um, and not really, not really kind of beat around the bush. So we, we got after it as soon as I got in, uh, we started moving uh, many things to Azure and, uh, and started leveraging the Microsoft and SAP relationships. Uh, Mm -hmm. and now we're sitting a year into our S4 HANA, um, uh, project and we have a, a fully hosted, uh, you know, private cloud uh, ERP sitting, you know, uh, in Germany for us. Um, and it's going to be very, uh, it's another thing that's going to drive competitive advantage um, as I believe we were the first SAP RISE customer in the United States
1: uh, as of January of 2021. Oh Wow. Well, wow. how did you, how did you convey that vision to your team and get them to come with you on this journey?
0: Well, like any good leader, Jeff, I, I leveraged a crisis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you yeah, never let a good crisis go to waste, go to waste. right? <laughs> you said it.
0: You said it. Oddly oddly enough, or, or rightly so, four, four, four days into my uh, employment with Ecobat, we had a major cyber attack in Germany that shut oh, wow. our systems down. And so over the next 45 days, um, I spent time recovering what was... Not, not a huge ransomware event, but enough to signal to the board that we've got a big problem and we need to fix it quickly. Yeah, And yeah. so it, we were off to the races and slamming uh, networks together and domains together and coming up to just ecobat.com. Uh, and then, you know, putting everything in from Dell SecureWorks to CrowdStrike and and all the tools that we could throw at cyber. Uh, I had uh I had an open checkbook to make it right. <laughs> and uh, as I say, you never, like you said, don't don't let that crisis go to waste. But I was also due to present on a common ERP because we have about 27 different ERPs globally. Uh, and we already have an in-house SAP environment. So, you know, the goal was to get to one best of breed SAP uh, version, which at the time was S4HANA in the cloud. And so it was, it honestly was a, it was an easy pitch. Um, yes, we're talking big dollars. You know, we're talking millions. But the board saw the need for the investment and uh, and was not going to shy away from it. And I think they have pretty good trust and confidence that we're going to deliver.
1: Yeah. So you 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 walk in the door, and four days later, there's this uh, there's this cyber emergency. We haven't mentioned, but when you walked in the door, there's also this thing going on called a global pandemic. Hmm. Um, how, how did that impact what you were trying to do with your organization and this transformation?
0: Well, there, there were definitely some pluses to it. There are definitely some cons. I would say there are probably more cons than pluses. Some, some of the pluses had to do with just being able to kind of um, uh, have people focus on exactly what it was. They were, you know, required to do in the organization, which allowed us time to understand their workload and, and kind of redefine work. Uh, but it didn't happen, In the minus was it didn't happen at the pace you would normally have it happen if you were all together in an office. Uh, there's so much communication that goes on with people and so much appreciation for uh, teamwork when you're together that these are things that you just say in the hallway that you don't email and you would never think of jumping on a Teams call to say, and so the the pandemic slowed us down in ways. And in some ways, it helped people kind of redefine why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a little bit of mental level setting at the same time, more balancing workload and, and the who, what, and where of why we do what we do. Um, but the I can tell you that when you plan a transformation of the size of SAP, it's optimistic to think that, in a pandemic world with government mandated lockdowns, I'm not saying you know someone's sick and they shouldn't be home for the day. That's absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, in a government mandated lockdown world, the pace of progress absolutely slows. Yeah, it's yeah. You, you. Transformation is done in person; it can't be mailed in. And I think I think we're coming back to that. But when we started our transformation journey. Uh, it was assumed that the pandemic would be over in the summer of 21. Right. Um, and maybe, I'm sorry, maybe even the fall of, uh, no, yeah, the summer of 21. And most certainly in 22. And of course, as you know, we've gone into a, a second full year of the thing.
1: Yeah. And right.
0: uh, I think we're coming out. I'm optimistic we're coming out. I'm seeing more and more faces in the office. Texas pretty much stayed in the office through it all, but but not every business did. Most, most businesses accommodated a, a hybrid work schedule, which is great. Uh, but for the most part, we're all coming back in and it's exciting again.
1: Are you having trouble with staffing because of the the people want to work remote? They want to work from home. They want to work from anywhere in the world. Are, are you seeing that impact trying to build your team and grow your team?
0: Uh, it, absolutely. And it's a natural question out of anybody's mouth that is interviewing for a position. And we, we have to respond with an answer that meets the needs of today's society. And uh, and we do, and we offer hybrid and we offer full remote, but not unlike, you know, even the tech companies in the West Coast are defining what work means. Mm-hmm. And and even some of them are saying, hey, these, these roles have to be in person. You have to come into the office. This work is relevant for uh, teamwork and it, teamwork makes the dream work. So yeah. we're here to dream, let's <laughs> execute to it. Uh, But but our interviewees are definitely asking about it. And some are turning down positions if that type of work has to be
1: in person. Mm -hmm. When when you're an international company, uh, don't you have teams in various locations around the globe or are they all in Dallas?
0: No, you're right. They they are in the regional. Um, mm-hmm. when you are an acquisition of acquisitions, uh, you generally have full back offices at every site. Every
1: location. Right. At every
0: location, right. yeah. So, and that that's the way we are currently. We're we're a matrixed organization, we're growing. Um, but uh we're having fun meeting people and knowing the teams and getting to know each other as a as a one ecobat team uh to take on this great mission that we have. Um but uh, they are they are disparate, and we have had to take care of people uh, remotely in the different countries. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because to your point, they're not all sitting in Dallas.
1: Yeah, that, I mean that just adds to the complexity of what you're having to deal with mm-hmm. uh, with the transformation, uh, geopolitical challenges, um, pandemic challenges. Um, it's uh, it, it's probably daunting at times. <laughs>
0: It is. And I'll, I'll add that when you when you look at the labor laws and employment in different countries, you have a mixed bag almost in every country as to what 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 is policy, what what is regulatory, uh, you know, constraints or I'll say uh, rule sets that you have to follow and you need to take care of. Uh, and, you know, there's data privacy issues and so forth that you also mm-hmm. need to address, especially things like GDPR in Europe. Um, and all of that is changing as we speak, um, large in part to uh, probably a, a knock on global, globalism versus nationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so companies need to take care of that, that they're being cognizant of the, uh, the data privacy rules. Uh, I think that's going to be something that you're going to see more about uh, as, uh, as nationalism starts to take more of a, a front seat again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, the the solutions that you're building out, uh, SAP being the 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 ERP that it is, I'm sure from a technical perspective, it's got the capabilities to do some of that data segmentation across uh, geopolitical lines.
0: It does, and I, I've honestly been pleased with SAP's Rise program. Uh, it's something new. Uh, Christian Klein, the CEO, introduced in January twenty-one. Uh, and we just happened to be right on the cusp as it came out uh, to do licensing and so forth with an approved project. And um, you know, the the team they put around you in that in that uh, journey is is good. And it's really the first time in my career I've seen them come forward with uh, putting a wrapping a team around a company uh, versus you know the sales agent <laughs> signing the document and saying right. good luck. <laughs> See you later. Uh, yeah. So I've been pleased with that. And that's quite honestly, the only reason we went forward is because we knew we would have that as a backdrop. Uh, but, but it is an international business. Um, well, you know, very proven in our industry, whether you're in the chemical processing industry or in the metals business like we are, mm-hmm. um, it works for that.
1: For, the, for our listeners that may not know what RISE is, could you describe what, what that entails?
0: Sure, the SAP RISE program was a new licensing approach and uh, implementation approach uh, for moving your ERP into the cloud. So I consider it more like a, a menu. Okay, I'm I'm ordering these things. This is my price. Here's my checklist, set up my system. And uh, while it's a little more technical than that, and all of the mm-hmm. IT people know that, uh, it, it was kind of that easy. And in 40, 40 to 60 days, I'll say 60 days, uh, from the time we started signing papers, we had a full-on ERP landscape uh accessible to us in the cloud mm-hmm. and domiciled in Germany with uh failover uh for disaster recovery. So uh yeah that's that's scale at speed in in the yeah. cloud ERP days.
1: And you've mentioned speed several times in our in our conversation. And when when people think of uh industrial or manufacturing, they don't always think of Speed. How are how are you able to bring that concept of speed to to your organization, uh, and and help drive that really that that part of the transformational change?
0: You know, for me, it all starts with the strategies. What are we trying to achieve, and by when? Uh, that really will be the pace setter to everything else and how it how it aligns up. Um, I think many companies miss out on strategy deployment and cascading you know, kind of what their X is or what their mark is uh, to the marketplace on through the organization. Um, so a lot of times the C-suite will understand it, no one else. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, middle management will have a different plan than the C-suite and they won't be aligned. And so you kind of get pushes and pulls. Um, the real key to driving that speed is what are you trying to accomplish? How fast are you trying to accomplish it? Uh, and And what do you need to do it? So First define your what, then define your how and run at the pace of your how to get to your what, mm-hmm. uh, to say it a little bit more simply. Um, and that that's what we've been doing is aligning ourselves, our mission here at EcoBat. Um, and I can tell you we're moving a lot faster than we were just two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all with purpose to remain competitive for my customer's customer that yeah. we were just talking about.
1: When you look back on the last couple of years, maybe even going back to when you were on Status Go, uh, like I say, back in 18 or 19, has the role of the CIO changed? And if so, how?
0: Indeed, it has. And I'm sure many of the listeners are probably some are practitioners in cyber, some are practitioners in applications, analytics, um, IoT, you know, maybe even applying virtual reality uh, as we're seeing more of that in HoloLens and so forth. You know, the CIO has to really be thinking competitive digital automation and digital reach. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's less about any one avenue of a technology and more about how do I bring this basket of strategies for how we can help the company achieve its mission through digital and, you know, to to pick on RPA or to pick on big data or, you know, those are all places to stop and stand and stare. (laughs) You know, a CIO's job is to get it all moving and, and to action it and to, and to not sit and study it, but to really deploy it with true meaning. Uh, And maybe even in today's uh, day with less of a, about getting a return down to the penny and more about getting the, the employee base up to speed on what it means to deal with technology and business today.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think the CIOs have missed that in the past while they've been trying to manage SLAs and rather than tap into their creative juices and say, okay, how can we invigorate, you know, in our case, 4,500 employees right. Uh, right. versus you know, 50 IT people that all know it that are trying to push a, an army of people to, to leverage it. Well, how about we just let go of it. And as CIOs, we say, we're going to really be of service to you so that you come up to speed on technology and are able to use it for the better benefit of the company.
1: Yeah, it's almost that citizen, not necessarily citizen coder, but it, it's the digital citizenship is what I'm, uh, I'm trying to, to, to get to, right? And that, that uh, just cybersecurity, as an example, is everyone's yeah. responsibility, just not the CIO or the CISO. It's everybody's responsibility
0: it is it it takes a team or it takes a village as they say right to raise a yeah. kid yeah. uh it takes a village to protect your data set, especially in a global environment where you've got uh you know your legal function is interested in it your h r group is interested in it and uh and you really ought to take care of the employees' data so so you do have to kind of circle the wagons and uh and protect each other in that regard and that's the c i o the c i o is has has had to be a a team champion, a cheerleader, a facilitator, you know, an an administrator, um, an ideator, an innovator, um, a strategist, you know, and at the same time, be able to deliver tactical uh, change uh, to an organization to really uh, be effective today.
1: Well, Jamie, we're at that point in our conversation that that's my favorite part of the show, which is the call to action. What are one or two things that our listeners should do differently tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? I think
0: one of the most productive things you can do is sit down with your HR leader and define what work means today. I think there's been a tectonic shift over this pe- pandemic in how people view their contribution to companies,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, whether that's in accounts payable whether that's in purchasing, uh, whether that's on the shop floor, I think companies need to sit back and define, okay, in light of digital reach, in light of these automation platforms, how are we going to work? Yeah. What are we expecting of our employees? And I think IT can lead that discussion because they know how to work in digital because they've been doing it uh, you know, for many, many years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I love that define what work is in this new, this new world we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Jamie is always, I love our conversations. I (laughs) I feel like I walk away with three or four nuggets. Every time I was jotting notes furiously as you were talking, Uh, I for one, can't wait to go back and re-listen to this because I'm sure I missed some of, uh, some of your nuances, but I want to thank you for taking the time out. I know that uh, the the day in the life of a CIO is pretty demanding and I appreciate you carving out some time to talk to us. So thank you very much.
0: Jeff, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, good to talk to you as well. Take care.
1: And I may take you up on that invitation to show up in Dallas one day. Uh, right. who, who, who knows? I'll, I'll bring my boots and uh, uh, we'll go out and have a beer.
0: Well, we'll add, we'll add a cowboy hat to it as well.
1: Hey, there you go. There you go. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, Visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tunn for Jamie Lee. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.